Hello and welcome to my favorite episode of the year. It's time for me and Paulo to take a look back at this most recent year of 2022 and talk about our top 10 movies of the year, um, as well as we're going to talk about maybe some movies that fell outside our top 10. Um, in the past, we've done consolidated lists, um, i.e. Paulo, you pick yours, I pick mine, and we kind of mash them together in like the top rated ones. Um, we went away from that last year when, for the first time, we had zero overlap, so we couldn't have a consolidated <laughs> list. And now this year, we are just, we have two separate top 10 lists that I, I don't know yours, you don't know mine. We are going to talk about these and uh, kind of get through it as we are hearing each other's for the first time. I'm pretty excited about this. I would also like to call out, I called, I told Carson right before we started recording, I have tried to predict uh, what is on what's going to be on Carson's top 10. Um, and I, I feel, I feel 50% confident about the choices that I made. I, I'm curious. I feel like there's going to be at least like two or three that you've never even heard of. Um, so if you get over half, I'll be impressed. Um, <laughs> Before we get into that, I wanted to ask a couple questions to get started. Um, one is, at the beginning of each year, we do a top 10 and most anticipated movies of the year that we post on our Instagram. At Houston, we have a podcast. Um, you posted your top 10. How accurate were your predictions? Any comments about what you thought was going to be good versus what was actually good, I guess, without spoiling what your list is? So I, I guess this is a theme every year, but every year I pick uh, like my my most anticipated movies, um, and I get maybe one or two of them, not right, but like I ended up actually liking one or two of them, because I pick up uh, some some garbage uh, like Jurassic World Dominion, um, which like I'm kind of ashamed that it was even at number seven. Actually, no, you know you know what I'm not ashamed of it because I like the idea of it. Uh, but the execution was absolutely horrendous. Um, so I'm not, yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, I, the only two that were on my list that actually made my top 10, actually, am I spoiling this for you? Cause we were going to do like, it's going to be kind of a surprise. I won't tell you what position they're in, Sure, sure. but Dr. Strange, um, I was looking forward to that. Um, I, that was actually in the latter half of my, uh, my anticipated movies or sorry the the early half like it was number eight um i was pleasantly surprised by that one and then everything everywhere all at once um i think it's no surprise to uh to carson you um or anyone that's been listening to the podcast that it was that uh, it's on my top 10 um and then the ones that were that i was looking forward to um thor love and thunder i was really looking forward <laughs> to that one i mean it wasn't like I didn't not enjoy it, but I mean, I wouldn't, I, I would not, I didn't even consider it to be like close to my top 10 this year. Um, also, um, there was another one. Oh, the Batman. Um, I was looking forward to that. I, I mean, I think I hyped it up a little too much for myself. We talked about this in our Batman episode. Uh, so I'm not going to go too much into that. And then Nope actually surprisingly did not make my top 10. Um, uh, and that was number one. I was like number one most anticipated for the year. Um, I was a little disappointed. Like it was still enjoyable, but I mean, I, I think it was another case of having my sets or my my the hype train kind of getting carried away with that. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, that was like an honorable mention. I could have been like maybe 
number 10 on my list. Um, like I said uh, before, when we we're talking about this episode, um, the number 10 and nine maybe could have been, um, I, I could have switched that out with a number of different movies. Because uh, I watched a lot this year. That's always good. Nope was also on my most anticipated list at the beginning of the year. Did not make my list at the this time. Um, my trend for the second year in a row on my most anticipated list is picking movies that don't actually come out. Um, <laughs> I picked four of my ten did not get released this year. Um, so I didn't watch them. I'm still looking forward to them. But I am going to try to do better on that next year try to pick some movies that actually come out although i will say that a lot of that is due to like COVID stuff and stuff getting delayed so hopefully that won't be a trend of the six that i did watch three are nowhere near my top 10 and three are in my top 10 so <laughs> i feel like i did okay hit miss ratio for the ones that i actually watched i'm just going to actually try to do some research on which ones are actually going to come out this year and we well, will post those yeah, again I in the coming weeks on our instagram for next year yeah, I mean, there's so I had three of those as well that got pushed to next year. Uh, one of them, I it, it might be cheating, but that's it's still going to be on my list, like my anticipated movies, because I actually really want to see it. It's the the Guy Ritchie movie, uh, with Aubrey Plaza and uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, geez, J Josh Hartnett. There's another guy that I was thinking of, but anyways, yeah, that one. Um, and the the sixty five uh, movie with uh, Adam Driver and that little girl um, <laughs> from Love and Monsters, <laughs> that was on my uh, anticipated mo uh, list. Um, it probably won't be, uh, even though it was pushed to next year after I saw the trailer. I'm still gonna watch it, and I I feel like I would be entertained by it, but it doesn't seem like the type of movie that's gonna like blow me away. Adam Driver used to be my favorite actor, and I feel like he's going down the list recently <laughs> with some of his uh, decisions. Um, well, what else? Like, what else has he done that's been not? Uh, so I watched White Noise recently. Um, oh, that's okay. not going to make the list. And actually, kind of, not only uh, I'm not going to say it's a terrible movie, but I don't know how to describe it. It annoyed me for reasons that. I don't have enough time to get into. Um, <laughs> okay. And then I also had looked forward to Annette last year. And I was actually listening to the soundtrack before we hopped on this call because I listened to the soundtrack for that movie a lot. Um, but the movie itself wasn't a huge fan of. Although I guess I respect his decision to do different stuff like that. But anyway, this is not an Adam Driver episode. Uh, the last thing I did want to comment on in, in the um, on the thread of predicting movies in the wrong year two years ago i had blonde on my top 10 most anticipated list and i watched it this year and i liked it more than a lot of people did a lot of people hated it i actually liked it um but not good enough to make my top 10 okay i mean going back to one of the other things that you mentioned that you wanted to talk about before we actually get into it is movies that uh we haven't seen yet um that potentially could have made our top 10s i think blonde is one of mine i i i don't know i think is it the length? It's like three hours, right? Or more than that? It's pretty long, yeah. I Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with like three hour long movies. Um, but I, I think Blonde is one that it will take more. Uh, I'll, I'll, it's more of a commitment. It'll feel like more of a commitment for me to start that one because it's not normally the type of thing that I watch. Um, I, I feel like if I did watch it, it may have made my top 10, but I don't know. I don't think it would make your top 10. Um, no. <laughs> if you like looking at Ana de Armas and good cinematic quality, then hey, it has that appeal. 
Um, she's also a really good actress and does a really good job in the role. So I'll say that. But um, at the very least, maybe an honorable mention. Sure. Um, um, I'm going to do my reverse honorable mentions before we get started. And I'm going to say two <laughs> movies that everyone's talking about that I'm going to make a point of saying are not on my top 10. I watched them. And that is Tar and the Fablemans. I hated both of them. <laughs> um, sure, they were made well. No problems there. Um, but the movies themselves annoyed me very greatly. And I hope that they do not win any awards, except for Kate Blanchett. She did a great job in Tar. Uh, but the movies themselves, I hated. Okay, so I can cross off Tar on uh, <laughs> my predictions for your list. I thought it was going to be number six. Um, I'm surprised you put it on because I put a don't recommend on my. But okay, see what you said. Like in so if whoever's listening, if you've been paying attention to our Instagram posts, Carson, um, it was like a lukewarm uh, uh, review on our on your Instagram post. You like. You said it was a good movie, but you didn't like other things about it, not necessarily having to do with the movie. It was like kind of like pretentious or the Oh, people... that's very much to do with the movie itself. The movie is oh, okay. very pretentious. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, then, I mean, that, I, that was kind of a, a – I was swinging, swinging for the fences on that one. Um, so here's my very, very quick review on Tar. It's very annoying and pretentious. And at the very end of a long movie, it has a reason for being that way. And it kind of lets you know what it's doing. But by that point, it's way too late. And it's already annoyed me for two hours that it can't really <laughs> save itself. So I get what okay. it's trying to say. And it it's doing it for a reason. But it's just, it doesn't save it. Okay, that's fair. And then um, The Fablemans. That I, I didn't even realize that came out this year. I saw a trailer for it. And I was just completely uninterested. I hate Steven Spielberg, so I think I hated that movie before <laughs> I even started. But um, it has all the hallmarks of things I don't like about Steven Spielberg. So, Okay. Wait, why don't you like Steven Spielberg? He's Without a very good filmmaker who... I, I don't want to say doesn't take risks, but none of his movies require any type of complex thought. The good guys are the good guys. The bad guys are the bad guys. The world is this very simple. And it's like Tom Hanks um, in that Cold War movie that he did. He's just like, he's going he's gonna to say the big speech and he's going to talk about the bad guys. And, you know, we're all going to feel good about ourselves. And that's, that's all Steven Spielberg's movies for the last, like, 15, 20 years. Some of early in his career, different, different story. But, like, it's just too safe, too boring, too simple. Like, I feel like my mind is not challenged in any way. And I'm annoyed, especially because he's such a good filmmaker. It just feels like everything's wasted. Okay, that's that's fair, I guess. I mean, I don't fully... I mean, I enjoy some of that, like, in, in terms of, like, oh, it's simple. Good guys are good guys, bad guys are bad guys. It's like the Indiana Jones, like the... I don't know, what else? The, the, the Nazis Park. were the best thing for Spielberg to ever make movies about because they are <laughs> the bad guys. You don't need yeah. to think about Nazis any more than that. They don't have to be complex. Well, I mean, depends on who you talk to uh, these days. Sure. <laughs> that was a joke. I'm not. <laughs> We'd probably get better views if we just swung that way. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 get started. Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Um, go. This is probably going to be the most that I'm going to talk about any one of these movies. Um because it is, I'm going to get on my soapbox again, um, because, um, well, 
you'll, it'll make sense. Uh, it's called Nocebo. Um, it's a movie. I mean, the one movie on my list that I'm pretty sure Carson has never heard of. Um, and I actually had not heard of it. Um, it's like a really small budget, probably movie, um, like on those random, that random horror streaming service called Shudder. Oh, I love Shudder. Um, sorry? I love Shudder. I, I like it too. Um, I mean, I haven't subscribed to it or anything, but <laughs> it's like the type of stuff that I would like. And this is an example. Um, so Nocebo, it's, um, it's, um, it's a horror movie that's not quite like it's pretty standard. Um, it's like a not a uh, a wildly creative concept, um, but the fact that uh, one of the main characters is a Filipino caretaker straight from Cebu, uh, who has a heavy Filipino accent. It's not played for a laugh. It's part of her character, and the fact that she's a character is part of her character. Um, wait, did I say? The fact that she's a character character is not sorry i meant caretaker um so uh she's like a nanny she's been hired by this um this british family uh eva green and mark strong um and um the the wife eva green is um she's going through some like weird mental episodes like she's losing her memory she's having like panic attacks and stuff like that um and she's a she's a children's fashion designer, so it's affecting her work. She hires, or she apparently hires this Filipino nanny who just shows up on her doorstep one day. Um, and the, from the first meeting, the the nanny is like, "Oh, you you called me to come here. Like, uh, don't you remember?" Or not? She doesn't even say, "Don't you remember?" She it's kind of just like she convinces her, like she plays into her loss of memory, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you called you told me to come here uh, and help you out. You need help." Blah blah blah. And she's like, "Oh okay, I guess I did." Which is, and then that's the, the the point of the movie is that like she's kind of a suspicious character, um, like living in their house now, taking care of their daughter, taking care of the wife, and like the uh, the wife is like not sure if she's going crazy, or if like these all these uh, traditional medicines and like treatments that the Filipino nanny is doing is like helping her or making her worse type of thing. That's the idea. Um, I'm gonna spoil it in a few seconds. <laughs> um, or actually. Do you care, Carson? I, you know what? The last couple of years, you've put things on your list that I was like, eh, I don't know if I'd like that. And then I watch it and I actually like it. So I'm going to say I'm actually <laughs> going to go watch this. So don't okay. spoil it for me. Okay. I won't spoil it. I mean, it's pretty predictable. I'll say like within, I don't know, maybe the first third of the movie, you're, you're probably going to know what happens. What I liked so much about it is that, again, like the having the Filipino character that's a nanny, that's a main player she's not like she's not like a goofy person she's just you can tell that she's just a real she felt very authentic um like with the accent it's like i'm caught in the middle of feeling like she's one of my titas <laughs> um at the same but at the same time she's like kind of there's something kind of like it, there's clearly something off about her and it's 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 it was enjoyable for me to watch the development as it goes along um um, I was going to call one other thing out, but that would spoil everything. Maybe after you watch it, I'll, we'll, <laughs> I'll bring it up, but, uh, it, it gets a little preachy, um, probably near the end, but I mean, it's fine. It's, it's good. It was a good movie. Um, and then all an honorable mention to pray, uh, predator movie, which we've already talked about. So that's like your number 11, I guess. Pray is, yeah, I guess. It, it, yeah, if I hadn't watched Nocebo, 
this year, then Prey would be would be done. I feel like there's like a mini, I don't want to say resurgence, but surgence of like Filipino actors and actresses because I have uh, <laughs> another movie up coming up where there's a, a really good Filipino character. Um, really? Not in my number 10 spot, but yeah, I'll, I'll get there when I get there, but yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I think it's also partly because I've been, just been so vocal about it this year. <laughs> I don't know what's come over me. Um, get in touch with getting in touch with my roots. Anyways, yeah, that's ten. My number ten, uh, predictably an A twenty four movie. Which uh, if you put any A twenty four movies on your list, you're probably right. Uh, but this one is Causeway, um, starring Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. Um, it's a movie about Jennifer Lawrence is a, I think, Afghan or Iraq war vet who's coming back home to New Orleans. Um, she's got, like, brain damage and has to, like, rehabilitate in society. She meets Brian Tyree Henry's character, who's also got, like, some stuff going on in his life. And they're basically flawed characters who you think they're getting together because they're flawed. But then you kind of realize that both of them are not very good characters or people for one reason or another. They, you know, anyway great acting uh i'm not a particularly big fan of jennifer lawrence but she does a great job in this movie brian tyree henry is a great actor i love him everything he's been in um he does another this is probably one of his best performances because he's usually kind of relegated to side character roles and in this one like he mm. he gets the spotlight and he shines um so not a, a whole lot to say about the movie other than just like really good acting between two characters it is kind of like that more minimalist movie um and then if we're doing honorable mentions, I'll also say I had a really hard time debating number 10 if it was going to be Causeway or After Sun. Um, After Sun has kind of lit up the the indie award movies. Uh, this year is probably going to get some Oscar nominations. Um, really enjoyed it, but I liked Causeway just a little bit more because it, a little bit more coherent storyline and just kind of how they wrap things up and understand the characters. After Sun is kind of purposely vague, which is why I kind of dropped it off the, the top 10. Okay. I was wondering recently what Jennifer Lawrence has been up to because I feel like she hadn't done anything I think she in had like a, kid. a year. Well, no, sorry, I, I, I know <laughs> she's had a kid. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she, she's she's done that, yes. But like in terms of movies, like, um, like wh how recent was that kid? Was it like, is it this year? I think it was during pandemic. But if you're asking oh, okay. about celebrity news, and I'm then she the, took the wrong uh, person to ask. Yeah. I, ju I just asked for like the point of like, yeah, she hasn't been in anything for a while or I thought, and now I know that she has, which um, is interesting. Cause it's not like a big, it wasn't a big type of blockbuster that she's usually and I'm in. I'm kind of glad she's getting back to her roots a little bit because I, I really liked her when she started out acting and she was in a movie called winter's bone, which was like an indie movie that she got a lot of acclaim for. And I feel like that type of, flawed kind of paranoid character similar to what she did in like silver linings playbook and a few other movies like that it's like she's good at that kind of like broken crazy character and she kind of plays something similar to that here mm. okay well i was completely wrong uh for my prediction for your list i had top gun at 10 <laughs> um i know you 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 oh you have like one mainstream movie usually at least one on there i thought top gun was gonna be one of them um, and it would have obviously been at the, the very bottom of your list. I, I got a mainstream movie somewhere in here. Okay, but it's not Top Gun. Um, number nine. Oh, yeah, my turn. Um, at number nine, I put, <laughs> I put 
uh, Violent Night, which is the the Santa um, Santa Die Hard movie uh, starring um, the the sheriff from Stranger Things. What's his name? David, David Harbor, who um, was com- was a bit of a letdown as Hellboy. Um, uh, but he this, wasn't a letdown I mean, as Hellboy. The movie was a letdown. Fair, yes. Okay, I, I I'll take that correction. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's literally what I said. It's Santa Claus uh, as an action hero. Santa Claus is John McClane, basically uh, trying to save a rich family or a, a little girl who's part of a rich family because John Leguizamo, who is great, um, he uh, and his band of criminals is uh, trying to rob their money. Very simple, very cheesy, uh, very fun. Um, I think the... Um, soft spoiler here the uh the home alone sequence did it for me um i wasn't quite sold like for the first like little bit of the movie but then at by that point i was like okay yeah i'm i'm i, I can rock with this um and yeah i mean it's like everyone is a caricature they say a bunch of christmas puns i don't really like christmas themed movies but i mean i think this one just had enough violence to carry it over the edge for me um yeah Oh, special shout out to. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say special shout out. Special shout out to um, um, the guy who plays uh, translucent. Um, translucent in the boys, um, who just looks like a slimy person, <laughs> <laughs> like um, who you always think is a bad guy in a movie. Who I mean, he kind of turns out to be. He's like toes the line in this one. Sorry, pointless call out. What are you saying? Yeah, so I watched this on Christmas Eve, and I hated this movie. It was probably one of the worst <laughs> things I saw all year. Um, I understand the appeal of it. Like, I knew what I was getting myself into. I saw the trailer. I was like, okay, I get what this is going to be. What continues to annoy me in movies like this is, like, the John Leguizamo character. It just, like, and I had the same issue with the villain from Easter Sunday, where it's like, <laughs> you can have just a serious villain. You don't need to have, like, why does everyone need to be telling the jokes all the time like i don't understand the appeal of those characters even in a movie like that i i, I like david harbour i think he did an okay job um the movie was silly the home alone sequence i did like um, yeah that was a good part and there was another like hammer scene in a, a stable that was it's like okay oh, yeah. i get it um even like the bad one-liners that he kept doing about christmas where he would like the christmas <laughs> fable in like a menacing voice i was like okay i'm fine with that but it was just like every character outside of David Harbour just annoyed me and I hated them and <laughs> therefore hated the whole movie. Oh, my! I think that's OK. That's way too much emphasis on like the like the the whole John Leguizamo thing. I don't think he overdid it with like the jokes. I think he's I don't know. It, it was pretty standard for me, which maybe I guess is a, a an indictment of all movies where I like most movies that I watch where a lot of people talk like that. So I'm just like fine with it. But in general, I'm fine with that. So it didn't bother me as much. I enjoyed it. It is on my top 10. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it's like I understand that it's not supposed to annoy me because it's a it's a certain type of movie. I'll just say it like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. But it's like not – I don't understand <laughs> why it exists to begin with, these characters. Like does anyone like these characters or are we just tolerating them? I think so. Actually, this this is a interesting uh, because I think there's a, a recurring theme on my top ten, where it has a lot of shitty characters in the movie. Like, not that 
like they're played shitty, but like they're shitty people. And there was a lot of that in this, like the family that he's trying, Santa's trying to save. Most of them are shitty people and most of them actually survive too, which is surprising. Um, and a lot of the other movies that I've watched this year and surprising that I've liked surprisingly, excuse me, that I've liked have to do with like a lot of shitty people, but it's not to the point. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe it's just me, but, um, I, I still enjoyed the movie, even though these are people that you like in real life, you would probably hate. Um, but it'll probably make a little more sense when I get to those movies. But anyways, that's something to look out for later in the list. Use that to segue into my number nine movie, which is a movie full of flawed, terrible people uh, called Triangle of Sadness. Uh, oh, I got one. <laughs> um, so Triangle of Sadness um, from a, I don't want to say he's like a Swedish director, but it, it's political and social satire. Um, it's less of an actual movie of its own and it's more, here are three segments that they had for a short movie that they've just kind of decided to cram together somewhat sloppily, maybe a little bit um, into like a, you know, full two hour narrative. Um, but it is more just like, here are different segments that have social commentary. Uh, this is the movie that I said had a strong Filipino character um, because in one of these, did you watch triangle sadness? No, but you know what? I saw the one scene that I think you're, like referring to um because my friend said it to me on instagram <laughs> but it, yeah yeah so like the whole thing is about a commentary on class society and rich people and there's you know models at the beginning of the movie and then they go on a, a rich cruise ship and then they get stranded on an island later in the movie um and then like for the that, that third segment there's a filipino worker on the cruise who's on the island who's basically the only one that has any type of life living skills um <laughs> and because of that she becomes like the dictator of the island um who like you know she catches the fish she does like she makes the fire and therefore she's the boss and so like everyone's kind of her slave type thing so it's kind of like funny role reversal type stuff but like every character is a terrible person there's no one that you can actually root for even like the mm -hmm. filipino character who's like the one blue collar person on the island and kind of in the movie as a whole kind of turns out to be a shitty person because she abuses her power um so uh, like I would say in most years, this movie wouldn't be good enough to be in my top 10 because, again, it's not like a really connected movie. It's kind of just like here's some individual things that are humorous um, and they do work. They are funny, but it's not like a coherent plot. It's more just like here's some social commentary and either you mm -hmm. enjoy the, the scenes or you don't. And it's played to absurdity over the top. So I this director's last movie, The Square, I enjoyed a little bit more. That's with. um. Uh, I want to call him Clive Owen, but it's not Clive Owen. It's someone, it's someone else. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was like kind of a similar type thing where it was the whole thing is kind of an excuse for social commentary, but it was strung together with like a much more stronger through line that, that helps like tell the story. Um, so this one was a bit more sloppy, but also a little bit more funny. So in a, in a somewhat weaker year than usual gets in my top <laughs> nine, but I'm not going to really defend it that hard. Okay. Yeah, that's actually so I forgot to call out that one as one that uh, I haven't seen this year, but I, I wanted to. I just didn't get around to it. So I'm glad you you have that on your list. Oh, you're, are you done with that one? I don't have much else to say on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't have a whole lot to say about this one either. Um, I feel like you're expecting me to say this one. And I feel like you have things to say about it. But Black Panther uh wakanda forever is on is on my list 
Um, it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> um, it was, I, I think it, this has a lot to do with like emotion, um, uh, for, for Chadwick, um, who my wife and I both like, um, sucks, uh, the circumstances, um, the movie itself was, um, it was okay. <laughs> um, I, th- it would actually be interchangeable with like Violent Night and, and Nocebo for me. Um, I think how much my wife loved it played into played a, a role into how high it is on my list. Um, that being said, it was, I mean, it was enjoyable. I liked um, Winston Duke uh, a lot. He probably steals the show quite a bit for me. Um, aside from, what's his name? The villain. Um, damn it. The... I didn't watch this movie. I don't have Not much man. to come. Uh, oh, okay. Na- yeah, Namor. Um, yeah, he uh, he did a good job as Namor. Um, I I don't remember who I said this to, but um, the the Black Panther movies they they, they do a really good job of creating um, the uh, sympathetic villains. Um, I think the best in any of the Marvel movies in terms of sympathetic villains. Sorry, not not villains in general, just sympathetic villains. Um, to the point where they're almost not even villains. Like you, you agree with them uh, up until they do something crazy, um, and then they're, you're like, okay, I can't cheer for him anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the the world. What's the Namor's world? Oh God! I think it starts with the name. I can't. It's not Atlantis. Whatever. <laughs> not Atlantis. Recently, part of like a Lego Marvel game that I was playing as a video game, but I can't remember it. <laughs> Okay, whatever. I mean, it, it, like, yeah, just the 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 world, like the the villain world, and Namor uh, as a character um, were pretty interesting. It was cool to uh, just like, I think what's his name, the director Ryan Coogler, does as much work building up the villains as they as he does um, like Wakanda um, in this movie. Um, so I mean, it was it was just it was in, um, satisfying to watch, uh, albeit a little long uh it dragged a bit um especially it's marvels uh, quite a bit of it didn't make sense um but those are like minor gripes yeah i haven't i haven't seen it yet i'm pretty confident it won't be on my top 10 when i do see <laughs> yeah. it um kind of one sidebar that i would say is i've started doing more research these days about uh dc and marvel kind of making the same character at the same time and trying to like research the history of how that happened because like obviously namor very similar to aquaman uh, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you had a chance to see Werewolf at Night, which was like the one-hour Marvel movie where they have yep. Man-Thing, which is like a copy of Swamp Thing, and they kind of released at the same time. So I don't know. I, I find it interesting to do a little bit of research after this to be like, who copied who? Or did they just accidentally <laughs> have the same idea in the same year? Because it's not like they copied them 10 years later after it got successful. Like they just had ideas at the same time. Um, so that's all. I, I interesting to hear like the research of like how these how these companies and characters got created yeah yeah i remember reading something about that a long time ago i I don't remember any of it but i'm like it's fairly certain someone copied someone because it's not just like one or two off like it's literally every single character has a counterpart on like on the other side yeah and like I think me five, 10 years ago, I probably would have had like my DC fanboy hat on. and would have been like, Oh, DC made it first in Marvel. They copied them. <laughs> and now I just, I don't care as much. And I'm more just intrigued by 
what two people would do as a different take on basically the same character. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, who would be the DC version of Black Panther? Is there one? That's the one that I, I like. Just now that I think about it, I can't think of well, any. There's obviously similarities to Batman a little bit, but not like from a social lens. More from like an actual character and powers perspective. Uh, uh, I, I guess. Yeah, actually, I don't know that one. I'm sure they they had one that maybe just wasn't <laughs> okay. successful. Well, we we found the one that's not uh, like overly obvious. Um, all right, my number eight. Uh, I'm thinking this is something that you predicted because I've talked this up a few times on our Instagram. Uh, Apollo ten and a half, uh, which is a Richard Linklater movie, who is, in my opinion, the best, one of if not the best, dialogue writers in cinema for the last like thirty years. Um, and I recently rewatched Before Midnight, which is another really good movie that he did. Um, the movie itself is kind of a joke. It's like what the idea that NASA accidentally made the Apollo capsule too small and they needed to get a kid to like test it out before they sent Apollo 11. Um, <laughs> and so there's a kid from like, you know, the 1960s kind of going through the space program, but really the movie is about, this is what life was like in the sixties. And it's just like a big family living in the sixties, doing all like sixties nostalgia stuff and just like talking about what life was like. I think Jack Black is the narrator of it. It's just, really good witty dialogue for i think it's probably an hour and a half it's not probably even a full two hours um but it's just one of those pieces that even though i didn't grow up in the 60s i felt the nostalgia for it and it made me feel the nostalgia about the 90s that i did grow up in and just making me kind of think more about nostalgia and just family and all this kind of like different time than what we live in now cool i like this is the animated or like what's that it's, it's, an it's, it's sort of animated. It's a specific kind of animated one. Like it's the same style as um, he did an, an older movie. Like I think Keanu Reeves was in it. A Scanner Darkly um, was that yeah. one. He's done a few other ones. I think Waking Life is another version of it, and it's kind of like in that yeah, style. It's, yeah, it's almost like somebody put an animated filter over top of just like filming a scene. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I actually I didn't predict this one. I knew you liked it, like especially from what you've said before. I think partly I didn't think that it would make your top ten. Um, one because it was animated, um, and two, um, which is I realize is unfair, <laughs> and two uh, because it's also because it's animated. It kind of just went over my head. Like I don't really. Like it, this, the way you describe it is something that I would probably be interested in watching, but I don't know why I just can't most animated movies. I don't really get into like even anime or like those like stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I not sure. Check out. I, I don't really know why this movie is animated. Like there's no reason why it should be. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they had these people like act it all out anyway. So they probably could have just said it in a, Mm. It all takes place on like one street anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I don't understand why it's animated. It, that didn't add for me, but it didn't take it away either. Um, on a sidebar, it's kind of also got me thinking about nostalgia. And I, I think I really crave for a, a good 90s nostalgia movie because like that's when I grew up. But I've mm. also been thinking about how old I am lately. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like 90s nostalgia is like, 
too early for me. And it's like, when are we going to start getting the 2000s nostalgia? And I'm even just wondering, like, what is that going to look like in cinema? Because we even haven't we haven't even done the 90s properly yet from like a nostalgia perspective. Like I was hoping Captain Marvel would do it well. Um, there was a movie that Jonah Hill directed called Mid 90s, which did it a little bit. And there's like a few other right. versions of it. But I'm I don't know. I'm I'm hoping for a good like 2000s nostalgia movie that captures my childhood. Do you feel like there? But is there enough like distinguishing factors of the 90s and 2000s to set to really set it apart from something like this, the 70s and the 60s? Or sorry, 70s, 80s. The 90s, um, sure. You had like a ton of culture coming in the 90s. You had like you know all the okay, yeah. boom of technology and like people adapting to technology. You had very unique like music styles at that time. I feel like once you get past the year 2000, everything just starts to blur a little bit. I don't know what <laughs> that culture is, but I'm hoping it does get captured and identified at some point. That I was thinking be, about I what should, that yeah. is. Is like, what is 2000s nostalgia? Is it like young LeBron James? Exactly. <laughs> like Lord of the Rings. Like oversized tees, uh, like baggy clothes. Because and... that, that actually my so I, I don't know, slightly unrelated, but my friend is having her birthday coming up soon and she's doing like a 2000s theme. And I don't know, like, see, this is like falling in line with like, what would you, how would you show that in a movie? Like, how would you make that a theme of a movie? And I just can't, like, I can't process. I think Maybe 2000s it is, is when like 70s retro became a thing. And so like 2000s nostalgia is kind of 70s nostalgia at the same time. Yeah. But then at that point, like, you're going to make a 70s movie. Like you can't, <laughs> that, that would be way too many weird layers to have a, okay, this is the 2000s movie. But because it's two thousands movie, we're talking about like we're we're doing the style of seventies stuff. Sorry, too far so, down this rabbit hole. Oh, well, I'm gonna go more down this rabbit hole. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> he, here's a fact that hit me today that kind of I don't know depressed me. Uh, Iron Man came out fifteen years ago. Oh God, so many things like, like that. That <laughs> like Lord of the Rings came out twenty years ago, and I was thinking about this the other day because I'm I'm thinking about what movies I'm gonna force my daughter to watch when she gets old enough. <laughs> And I was realizing when I was born, A New Hope was 12 years old. Yeah. And right now, Iron Man is older for my daughter when she was born than Star Wars was when I was born. And that's Okay, like, that makes it... <laughs> you know, I'm going to make her watch like Iron Man and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars when she's like 10 or so. And these movies are going to be like 30 years old at that point. All right, that makes it worse perspective for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be like, that's, yeah, that's today. not that bad. And then, yeah, when you frame it like that, Jesus. When I think I about A like, New Hope now, like... like oh, Ghostbusters man. came out five years before I was born, but like, I always thought that that was like an old movie growing up. <laughs> yeah. And even uh, Jurassic Park, I think, was the year was the year that we were born. 89, right? I thought that was 90. Or 90? 93? Wow, I'm way off then. There's a, there was a big one that was that came out in '89. Uh, Pulp Fiction? No, that's even older. You're probably right, but I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna look it up. <clears throat> okay, um, that's um, all I have to say about Apollo Ten and a Half. Okay. Um, wait, that was number eight. That was eight. Um, I thought Pearl was gonna be eight. Um, is it on your list? We'll see. Ah, okay, fine. Um, I'm going to speed past this one a little bit 
um, where I'm currently on a, a mainstream portion of my top 10 list. Um, number seven is Top Gun. Um, I will say, like, like I said, I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, it I really enjoyed it. Um, it was just can't be fun. Um, I do not agree with it being 99% or 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but it was good. I really like Top Gun. Top Gun is on my top 10 list and it is higher than it is on yours. Ooh. I thought Top Gun was going to be your number one or two. Really? Yeah. No, I, I think you're going to be upset with my, <laughs> with my top five. <laughs> I, uh, I, I have comments about Top Gun. I'll reserve them for later on in my list when, okay. we, when we get there. Okay, cool. Uh, what, do you, what do you got at number seven? Uh, number seven, I don't know how much I'll have to say about this, but it was a really good movie, Armageddon Time. Uh, <sighs> I kind of accidentally watched this. Um, I... <laughs> there was a documentary about the Iraq war coming out and I was interested in it. And when I saw this movie out, I was like, Oh, it's that documentary. And I turned it on and it was something completely different. It's like Jewish family growing up in the fifties. Um, really well-made, well-acted. Um, it has Anthony Hopkins as like the grandpa of the family, but it's mostly like a coming of age story of a kid. Um, he's from like kind of a, a rich family and he's going to like a, inner city school and then gets kind of kicked out for doing bad stuff and he goes to like a rich kid's school and so it kind of has like that elements of um i guess class and culture to it kind of mixed with a coming of age story just really well made i don't know if i have to say a whole lot more than that um i have a really hard time selling it either you're into that kind of like period piece coming of age <laughs> movie or you're not um if you are into that thing check out armageddon time Interesting. I, I had this at five for you. Um, and it was a complete guess because I have I knew absolutely nothing about this movie. <laughs> I, I remember really liking it. But when I put it on this list and I was thinking about things I was going to say about it, I just kind of draw a blank of like, I don't there's not much to think about once the movie is over. But when you're sitting there and watching it, there's a lot to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's cool. I mean, it doesn't sound like my type of thing either. So I mean, it doesn't surprise me. But yeah, cool. I, I wouldn't, not a heavy recommendation by any sense. <laughs> okay. Um, that was seven. So uh, I put Scream at number six, which came out in like January, I think. Um, this is like probably 95% like preference based. Um, uh, I So like, context a little bit of context it doesn't really matter but it kind of does for the reason why i liked it um growing up i could never watch any scary movie um i think i've mentioned this before on the podcast i was too much of a little baby to watch anything even remotely scary even things that had that were not scary and had like maybe one scary moment would give me nightmares so uh i did not start watching any scary movies like and enjoying them until maybe like 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> um, actually, that's 15 is even too early. Like <laughs> eight, five, eight years ago, um, I just got on this like this track of watching everything that I missed. Um, so, so I, I'm like I've gotten a lot more into horror and stuff. And Scream is one of those franchises that I've mostly liked. 
Um, I, I enjoy that it's meta. Um, this particular movie, um, um, I like uh, the characters of Jack Quaid um, and uh, Melissa Barrera, who's the main the main couple, I guess. I mean, it's kind of it's it's kind of like a it's to it scream is to scream i mean it's aptly named because they're both named scream like the first one because it's basically the same movie in that in the same way that force awakens and a new hope are the same movie they kind of did the same yeah i mean sure soft reboot like very very soft reboot like all the way down to like the reveal where the the one of the killers is like doing her spoiler it came out in january, <laughs> january fuck it spoiler the girl who like who turns out to be one of the killers the boyfriend is the other killer jack queen um she is like doing her best impression of the what's the the goofy guy uh from the first scream like the very very first scream i haven't watched it um he was oh really <laughs> no oh geez um he he was in scooby-doo he was like shaggy um uh, I know who you're talking uh, about. I don't know his name. Yeah, I really, but I just want to really want to say his name because he's, I like him. Um, but basically, because he's like so over the top during the reveal of the original Scream movie, and this girl is like doing the same thing, which I thought was fun. It was pretty, and it was pretty funny because Matthew Lillard, that's his name. Um, but yeah, that was like, it, it's like. I don't know if it's intentionally funny, but his like what he's doing, how he's how much he's hamming it up, because um, like he's pretending to be crazy, I guess. Um, yeah, it's just it was fun to watch this girl do like a a, a modern impression of that. Um, I feel like a super fan may not have appreciated uh, what they were trying to do. I mean, in the same way that Force Awakens and A New Hope, people didn't like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I. That's it. Oh, also, I wanted to say, so Jenna Ortega is in it. Um, and you've made comments before about Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> where, like, you don't like him because you feel like he was just anointed, like, the next guy. And I kind of feel like that's that's kind of what happened to with Jenna Ortega. She kind of just came out of nowhere, and now she's in everything. Which is not, like, I don't mean that in a bad way for her. Um, I don't even particularly agree with how you feel about Timothy Chalamet. But I, I, I feel like she is the, the female version of your description of Timothy Chalamet. The only thing I've seen Jenna Ortega in is X, which is the prequel to Pearl. Um, and so I know that she's Wednesday and everyone likes that movie now, but it's like my perception Theories. of her is just side character in some other movie. And I know like yeah. even when that movie came out, they're like, oh, Jenna Ortega's in the small role. And I was like, I don't know who that is. I just assumed she was some like, I don't know, Disney actress or singer or somebody that I didn't know. <laughs> Um, well, she's yeah. like, she's not actually. She's she's so she's been doing like real movies and stuff. Well, like both. She's she's like all over the place right now. Um, like in a good way. She'll do something like the sequel to the Babysitter, um, and then she'll also do. There was another movie that I saw her in, where she's like playing a high school student dealing with uh the the fallout of a school shooting. Um, and that was interesting. It was like a little more artsy i guess uh but yeah i mean she's a side character in this one um and uh there's a bit of a there's a bit of a twist at the end surprise oh the um sorry i i forgot that I was heavy into spoilers i'm just gonna keep leaning into that 
the main girl, uh, Melissa Barrera, turns out to be the uh, the daughter or granddaughter of Billy Loomis, who's like the killer from the original killer from the first first Scream movie. So like the whole thing at the end is that like she is really weird now that I'm explaining it, but the whole thing about her is like, oh, when the when she's trying to fight back against the killers, she's like embracing her her heritage of being the daughter of like a serial killer. Um, so she just like straight up murders Jack Quaid. Um, I I mean, it's weird saying it out loud, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, as I said, I haven't watched it. I don't think I've purposely not watched Scream or any of the other movies for any particular reason. Like, I don't think I'd hate it or love it. I just, like, haven't watched it. So, no comment. It's it's one of those... Th- I feel like it's one of those things where it's it's similar to me telling my wife to watch Star Wars. Like, it's it's Star Wars, you know? In the same way, like, it's Scream. Anyways... I, I I wouldn't I don't know I wouldn't particularly recommend it to you especially if you don't uh, care too much about that franchise or well, pretty much yeah, that, that genre in total um, like any horror um, that type of horror like slasher I like, horror so. yes yeah, slasher horror um, okay don't hate That's I just fair. don't have a particular strong opinion of okay <laughs> um number six on my list is a movie that has been on my most anticipated list for two years in a row because i forgot that or missed that it wasn't going to come out um and that is the movie decision to leave um from korean director park chan wook who did old boy and handmaiden um stoker a lot of really good movies um probably the best made movie this year um potentially my number one is equal that in terms of like the craft of filmmaking, you know, picking up a camera, knowing how to shoot a scene, lighting it, having the the sound editing, like just the actual technical aspects of filmmaking. Every scene looks really interesting. Everything is shot beautifully. Um, the, the emotion of every scene really comes through the story. I don't really care about and isn't particularly strong. <laughs> um, I think for those who don't know what the movie's about, it's basically um, their the main character is an investigator there is a he's investigating a murder he's pretty sure it's the wife but he falls in love with the wife and there's kind of like a romance as he's investigating her um and so like there's a lot of scenes that just kind of feel like fucked up because they're dealing with the murder of her husband and she's clearly a murderer but he's in love with her and so there's a lot of like fun kind of weird scenes like that the whole like how it wraps up in the like last 30 45 minutes i just feel like fell flat for me like if it would have wrapped up well probably would have been my favorite movie of the year um so like the first hour and a half is is brilliant but it just kind of falls off an edge or falls off a cliff at the edge of it um i would still recommend it it's a entertaining movie um regardless of what genres you like um just like doesn't particularly wrap up very well okay I'm <laughs> so I have it in front of me, which is I had questions. So like one, because I know you've mentioned this before. I think several times on the podcast, right? Have I? I maybe at least twice. I think I remember your description of it. I, it sounds familiar to me. Um, <clears throat> when you're saying like little fun moments like that, the movie itself is it like that kind of vibe? Because it's it's like a crime 
like a mystery drama or yeah, mystery drama type. Is it's it not like... really a mystery. It's more of a romance because you, oh, okay. you know that she's the killer. Oh, okay. That makes sense then because it was like it, the IMDb page in front of me. It just automatically plays the trailer silently. And it was like, as you were explaining this, one of the comments was like the best romance movie of the year. I was like, wait a second. That doesn't sound like I was about to be like, yeah, that's like a, a mystery. Sure. I'm into it. And then like that's not. The, this is going to be like a bad way of, of portraying it, but an example is like they're bringing her in to the um, what do you get? interrogation room, um, which is like you typically have like the harsh lights and people like having questions, but like instead he, he gets like really nice sushi and it's like the best meal <laughs> that she's had. And then like the other detectives are out there like eating cheap food and they're like, wait, why is he buying sushi for this lady? And he's like, no, 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 okay. we have to do this so that we can convince her to like uh, give us the, the right information. But he's like, actually trying to woo her kind of oh and also he's married so it's like oh shit and he doesn't (laughs) know that he's in love with her it's like she's kind of seducing him and like wearing the right perfumes or things to like try to do it and he's kind of like under her spell so it's like all these things that are just they seem terrible but they're kind of played in a funny way oh okay is it like a sharon stone type thing where she's like doing it on purpose because no like much more subtle Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay, obviously. <laughs> not not just from that perspective, but, like, everything in the movie is very subtle. It's mm-hmm. all, like, it, it starts very slow, and then it kind of, like, ramps up and to become, like, more and more as it goes on. Okay, that's cool. It's those, you know, Co- Koreans, even, and Filipinos can't help but put some romance in any movie. There always has to be one. Or some of it. I mean, speaking, especially Filipino movies, like, it doesn't matter what it is. There has to be, like, a love story. And it has to be really cheesy. So, I I don't know if this movie is going to end up being in our top ten or not. But uh, I watched the movie Triple R, which is, like, the Indian Bollywood movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There is, um, I remember one time me and my wife went to, uh, I think, TIFF Theater in Toronto. And there was, it was, like, Korean month or whatever. Um, and there was like a quote from Bong Joon-ho, um, who did Parasite and whatnot. And he, there's like a famous quote from him that said like, everything in Korea is more extreme from like an emotion perspective. Cause it's all like heightened and more like over the top. Um, mm-hmm. which I feel like triple R is like that times a million. It's like <laughs> every hint of emotion, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe that movie. It's just like, it, it actually worked for me, but the idea that Korean cinema is extreme kind of no longer has any credibility to me once I've seen triple R. <laughs> I, I feel like triple R would be the only, is it Indian? I think so. It would be like the first Indian movie that I would ever watch because I saw like, I don't remember where I saw it, but it was like a clip of, I think it's a police station and there's like a mob. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what's happening, but there's like a mob like at the fence and then a police officer, like, with a baton, like, jumps, like, 50 feet in the air over the fence and starts, like, fighting off the mob with his baton by himself. I don't know why that's interesting to me. I think just, like, the – the, I'm I'm hesitant to call it absurdity because I, I feel like it's, like, the type of movies that they make. Sure, that's – it. I don't 
mean absurdity in a bad way. I mean it in a very good way. I like these types of things. So this is like the type of thing that I would enjoy watching. Um, which I'm sorry, I've completely gone off topic from the I, movie. That you yeah, I'll, I'll recommend Triple R to you. I think if you haven't watched it, you would enjoy it. Um, even though it was absurd and over the top, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. wasn't good enough to make my top 10, but it was like restrained just enough to, um, <laughs> okay. to work. Um, I would say the entire movie reminds me of the end of Star Trek Beyond where they start playing sabotage and it's like the dumbest <laughs> action scene. That's basically yeah. that for an entire movie. It's like, it's dumb, okay. but it just barely works. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. Um, Oh, oh, so number wait, five, top half number of five. Now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm safely out of uh, super mainstream um, until I go back into it <laughs> um, in another one or two movies. Um, uh, number five, I have bodies, 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 um, which I, I surprisingly, this was not on my radar at all. I actually, even after you watched it and posted about it, I was like, I was kind of on the fence with even watching it. Um, and then I just decided to, um, it was really, and this goes into the theme that we were talking about earlier with like, just terrible people, like the characters are all, are mostly terrible people. Um, and I don't know why, but even though they all suck, um, I was invested in what happens to them. Um, um, I almost, I like, I even felt a little sorry cause it was like, it was a terrible some of them were terrible in that they were just kind of, for lack of a better word, pathetic. Like, it's just the like the one girl in particular that I'm thinking of. She was like, she she's obviously um uh a, a trying to like she's the model of like a I don't know quote unquote like trying to be woke but she's not really she's just kind of dumb, um and she's like trying to be sensitive to all these things and but she doesn't even know what they mean and she just ends up like she ends up dying cuz she gets like she gets shot somehow and then there's like a whole like wrestle for the gun that she gets shot with and they're like wrestling on top of her <laughs> and she's like in pain because they're on her leg that's just been shot it's like you just feel so bad because she's just so like it, it's just pathetic <laughs> Um, but basically it's, um, sorry, I, I feel like I haven't been describing any of the movies <laughs> recently that have been on my list. I feel like bodies, bodies, bodies is less known. So I'll, I'll describe it a little bit. Basically it's a, it's a hurricane party. Actually, that's one big thing. They're having a hurricane party. I don't know if that's a real thing, but it just adds to the fact that they're terrible people. Like they're, they're all, all getting together. Like, they're so all they're rich. getting in their rich mansion to have a hurricane. Party. Yeah. They're getting in their rich mansion to celebrate a hurricane so they can do drugs and get drunk and whatever. Um, and, um, one of them dies, Pete Davidson, um, dies and they all start to just immediately start unraveling and suspecting each other. And it just, it, like, it, it plays up the fact that like, they try to be like really good and quote unquote, sorry, using that term again, woke people. But then when push comes to shove, they're just like immediately, like everything they know about each other. They use like, oh, you're the killer because of this. Like you have, I don't know, mental problems, bad example, whatever. Um, or you, uh, you you pretend to be to care about things, but you really don't. And you're just a shitty person. Oh, and then the, the girl who's like the pathetic one that gets shot. 
it's also pretty funny that she, I think she was the one that had a podcast. <laughs> um, and they like always make fun of her for having a podcast because it sucks. Um, um, and um, the one other thing that I wanted to call out, I think Maria Bakalova is her name. Um, I'm happy oh, I to, I was, was happy her. to, yeah, I was happy to see her in this movie because the only other thing I've seen her in was that Borat movie. Um, like the sequel to Borat where she plays his, his daughter. Yeah. I think that's where she like started acting. I don't think she had acted before that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, after watching that movie, wasn't sure that she would be in any other movie <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, um, but she's in this and it was good. I, I like it. It's pretty I actually funny. didn't make that connection that that was her, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, well, she's uh, unrecognizable. <laughs> I think I think I had talked about it previously, but like I liked this movie. It wasn't good enough to make my top ten. It was in like that fifteen to twenty range, but um, very similar to <laughs> Triangle of Sadness, where the whole thing is basically an excuse to do social commentary. Um, mm. Bodies, bodies, bodies is a little bit more coherent in an actual like here's an actual story that's going to happen. Um, mm. So I yeah I don't know why it. it kind of dropped so far in my rankings because it wasn't even considered for my top 10 but it is it's a pretty solid movie everyone does a good job and yeah i think as you said like i I like that they didn't pretend that any of the characters were good it's like you always kind of feel like at some point your main protagonist is going to be revealed as to being like a good person but it's like they all are kind of yeah you know they're all bad people they all get what's coming to them and the, the people who are good people they just get killed off so yeah <laughs> yeah oh and um what's his name um lee pace R- yeah ronin <laughs> the destroy or the accuser from guardians of the galaxy is Thandril like, or whatever his name is from the hobbit uh, yep that guy like same character or same guy different character um he is like one of the girls is too old boyfriend <laughs> Um, who they immediately suspect because he like she's known him for it's the same girl again the dumb one <laughs> um, where she, they're like thinking about who could have killed Pete Davidson and then they were like how long have you known your boyfriend and she's like a, a month <laughs> and like what do you know about him he's a like she knows his his astrological sign and that's it like she can't tell them anything else about him um, and then they just end up murdering him because they think he's the killer. Um, I, I've only I seen Pete anything. Davidson in two things, um, King of Staten Island and this one, um, mm. and they were both really good. I'm sure a lot of his other work isn't as good, but the two two for two for uh, Pete Davidson for me. <laughs> well, don't watch Meet Cute then, because... I don't even know what that is. It's a rom- romantic comedy uh, with I know Pete what Davidson. rom-com is. Uh, <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> I wasn't trying to... Uh, to, re- to use the full terminology i didn't mean to correct myself i know you know what it is um um it's a groundhog day type thing with pete davidson and kaylee kuoko um that's doesn't matter (laughs) don't watch it i won't (laughs) uh number five on my list is a movie we've talked about in the past i don't know if this actually is considered a 2022 release because i think imdb calls it 2021 uh but as far as i'm aware it came out this year and that is the humans uh which is a movie of a family getting together at thanksgiving in a shitty new york apartment and then you know drama entails i'm not going to go into it because i think we've talked about it before but everyone involved did a really good job acting 
it all unravels and you learn about the characters in a really interesting way. Um, and despite how awkward it was, I loved it. We have spoken about this movie before on the podcast. <laughs> I thought this was going to be number one for you. <laughs> and I absolutely did not like it at all. I'll just leave it at that. I don't, we, we don't have to have this fight again. Well, we didn't really fight. I mean, it's just, it comes down to preference. Yeah. Like this is the movie where I can say that I like it, but I wouldn't strongly recommend it to anyone. Like if you yeah. like going and watching plays, you're going to love this movie. I was if just going to say that. Because I think it was written as a play. Um, and that's pretty obvious when you're watching it because it, it, like all the scenes look like this is something that would be on a stage. Um, and so I, I feel like I actually would really enjoy plays if I ever went to them. I think I haven't been a play to a play in like 20 years. Um, but all like movies that are kind of play adaptations, I, I've been enjoying more and more lately. Uh, this one obviously included. So, I mean, like my sister was in a lot of plays growing up and like we, so just from that connection me and my family would go to like theater stuff watch plays like being in drama in high school i i, I enjoyed plays actually um mm. um and then when it when they translate to movies it's just there's a weird thing about and like i could feel it with the humans when i was watching the humans just watching it and listening to them talk and what's happening on the screen you can kind of tell like i just feel like this was a play like i can tell <laughs> um and i don't know what it is i think it's just like the just constant monologues maybe like everything is like there's gravity to everything or like it feels like there's supposed to be gravity to everything everyone is saying like every single word like there's not a wasted word um and i'm saying that even though i felt like it was just sorry boring <laughs> um and like they're just saying all these things it was like conversations and like i just i couldn't i didn't really care and i was waiting for things to happen sorry i i said i wasn't going to talk about it <laughs> but i am um but i the the main point i was trying to make about like m m uh, plays adapted into movies is like i can for some reason i can always tell like okay this was a play and it's the same thing about uh i think we talked about it before very briefly ma rainey's black bottom um that was like back in 2020 but like within five minutes i was like yeah this was a play <laughs> Yeah, it, the last thing I'll say about The Humans is it's the opposite of the last movie I talked about, Decision to Leave, where that one I felt like not satisfactory ending, but very entertaining beginning. This one, it's like, it builds up slowly, and I was I felt satisfied with where all of the characters ended. I, I felt like there was a reason for all the twists and turns, there was a reason for all the conversation, and I felt like, ah, okay, this is a, a proper ending. Wait, you felt that way about The Humans? Yeah. <laughs> okay I, I don't think we're gonna wow. have a similarity of opinion on this one <laughs> i was gonna say i think this is the biggest disagreement that we've ever had because like and i don't think i'm only bringing this up because i don't think we mentioned it when we were talking about it in the previous episode but it didn't seem to me like there was any resolution or conclusion to anything at the end of the movie it was kind of just they're done and like they're done having dinner and talking and i didn't really notice i may, yeah maybe that was it i didn't notice a conclusion or so i didn't catch on to a conclusion for me the for conclusion doesn't have to be that things get resolved it's that you understand the character and i feel <laughs> like at the beginning it's like okay people are acting in a, in a certain way is that just because of the dynamic is that who they are and then at the end you can tell that all of these arguments are still outstanding with all of them but i also mm -hmm. feel like i've learned i've lived with these characters and i now i get them yeah 
Okay, I guess. I mean, I then in that case, I feel like that they they did that within an hour and a half into the movie, or like an hour. I don't remember how long it was. If, but I felt like yeah, that I got that an hour into the movie. Anyways, I'll stop. <laughs> um, number number four. Oh, back to mainstream um, blockbuster, Doctor Strange. Is number four in my movie. I really liked it. Um, I'm going to speed past this one. Uh, Sam Raimi. I like his style. Um, uh, I like that it was basically a horror movie uh, starring Elizabeth Olsen. She acted the shit out of it. Um, uh, cameos or whatever. Um, they I, they didn't have the same uh, wow factor to me because I didn't even know some of those characters. I think it was. Ju- I thought it was just a cool like continuation of the story. So. I'm sure the the cameos that you hated uh, did not uh, affect me in the same way. Um, that's all I have to say about that. I don't, I don't know why I didn't like it because like I didn't mind the cameos and I liked the the Sam Raimi direction and kind of weirdness and I liked mm. that they actually made uh, Scarlet Witch a real villain. They didn't try to like pull back on that. It's like a lot of the things that they did work for me, but for whatever reason, I just didn't care. And I don't know what the right reason for that is. I'm sure if I like go back and rewatch it, maybe I could think of it, but it just like, I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> the one thing I will say though, uh, and it's not even just, um, well actually, yeah. Dr. Strange, I think was one of the main like beginnings of the multiverse stuff in, in the Marvel movies. Um, I kind of don't like the implications of what they did. I can't remember if we talked about this last time, uh, but it kind of just means like, okay, it doesn't matter if you die. There's another one of you, um, which I, I think it really cheapens a lot of like there. There's possibilities, great, but it also kind of cheapens some of the consequences in any of these movies. Yeah, and Marvel has never really had consequences <laughs> because whatever characters die, yeah. they just bring them back. But I, I do agree that it, it's kind of this is the end. You can't really go anywhere from here because nothing matters. Um, either that yeah. or you have to like really small scale restart it or reboot it. And I don't know what they're planning to do. Um, yeah. Like Jonathan majors. I hope that he does a good, well, good job as Kang, but like, yeah, I'm kind of not yeah. emotionally invested I, anymore. Uh, yeah. I will. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't go that to that point, but um, I, I'm still kind of invested. I, I get that they're building up to Kang. I just hope that whatever happens in uh, those movies with him, um, like in their in their struggle against Kang, somehow they lose the ability to go to different multi like to different universes, and it just gets returns like becomes a little more grounded again. I don't know because I'm I'm sure they're not stopping after that. Yeah, like I feel like in the past I've said that I don't care about Marvel, but then I still go and see them all like as soon as I possibly can. But I feel like at this point I really actually don't care about what they're doing in their stories. I'll still watch them like when I can, but I'm not yeah. I'm not rushing out. I'm I'm a, I may be like a year behind you on that uh <laughs> yeah, on on that that vibe, that feeling. <clears throat> Um, all right, my number four, which is probably my surprise of the list, is Top Gun Maverick, um, Ooh. which was probably number two for a lot of the year and then got kicked out by a few of the movies that I watched recently. Um, I would say 
Very similar to Mad Max Fury Road. It's just a very good action movie. And maybe this is buying me points as being not just pretentious, pretentious indie movie guy. <laughs> it's like for everything that I complain about with a lot of other action movies, like I don't, I don't even expect that much. You know, I want, I want some good characters. I want to understand what the objective is. I want to understand like the logistics and what's going on. And it, it simply does that. It has characters that you, you want to root for, that you care about, that are going off and doing a thing. They do the thing. There's good action scenes and that's it. And that, that's, that is enough for me to enjoy an action movie. I would much rather watch an action movie over a Thanksgiving dinner uh, most nights. But, you know, usually Thanksgiving dinner movies have a lot better acting, better filmmaking involved. And the action movies are dumb side characters like Violent Night. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but this one didn't. It just it had the right characters. It had the right music, the right action effects. And it was just really well done. And I enjoyed it for that. I, I agree, actually, 100%. Um, uh, it, I could make an argument for my own list um, for it to be higher. Um, I mean, between like Scream and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um, the one question I had for you uh, about Top Gun is how did you feel about the end, like when they've both crashed? Um, and then they like just walk up to <laughs> they walk up to the Russian airbase and steal another plane. I, I felt that they like when that was happening, I was like, oh, you really should have ended this. Like, there's no yeah. need for this to keep going. Like, you were at your end. Um, it, it was fine. Like, it, it wasn't, it didn't drag on enough to lose me. Um, I think if it would have gone on any more, it would have. Um, so it, it certainly wasn't something that added to the movie, but it didn't take away from the main things I liked about the movie, which was like all the training sequences and all that. Yeah. The one guy who's like part of training or part of the team who's like kind of a dick, like the super arrogant one. Um, Hangman. Hangman. Yes. Like he's like, it's clear his thing is like, he's not a team player uh, or like he's a terrible wingman. Cause he'll just leave you out to dry or like leave you abandon you. And then he had a whole like redemption arc <laughs> for like i don't know why that was like they they made him the hero to save uh Go like goose and tom cruise um at the end after they steal that plane i thought that was a strange choice but small gripe yeah like what i liked about the movie i think as i just said was like everything that was leading up to the big action scene and then the action scene was okay it wasn't mm. a great action scene it wasn't a bad action scene it just it was what it was and it kind of wrapped up the way that i would have expected um <laughs> it's gonna be like a weird comparison but it feels similar to shakespeare story where all the excitement of the story happens in kind of the the middle part and then like the end is just okay we're just wrapping it up um and it doesn't really matter as much um and so from that perspective it was a a fine ending not good <laughs> not bad Okay, that's fair. <clears throat> um, number three on my list, um, which I'm fairly certain was nowhere near your top ten, um, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I knew this was going to be on there. Did you? <laughs> okay. Um, I just, I really liked it. Um, it was, uh, it was over the top without being too over the top for me. Um, I mean, especially considering it's Nicolas Cage 
and it's like Nicolas Cage being aware that he's Nicolas Cage. Um, so they could have easily just like completely gone off the rails with it to the point where I, I wouldn't even like it, but it was quite like they, it would, they, they kept it under control. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal. He does a really great, like goofy face where he's supposed like, like a thing where he's, uh, supposed to be kind of just like a, like a lovable dumb guy. Uh, he does that a lot in this movie. Um, there's not too much Tiffany Haddish, which is great. Um, the only gripe that I would have about it is uh, the ending. I really wish they didn't like I, I, I felt like I had um, passed out and woke up like in another movie because it just it was so weird that I think the end is like a standoff. They're like caught and then like someone gets shot and then it immediately transitioned to it was a movie that they were watching which almost ruined like everything for me because that was just too strange and it didn't make any sense. Um, sorry if I spoiled it. Um, I don't remember that part. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's literally the very end, <laughs> but um, um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of guessing here. I feel like it probably bombed. Do you, would you happen to know? Uh, people talked about it. Like I, I don't know how it did financially, but like it, it had oh. decent word of mouth at the time that it was coming out. Okay, all, all that. I mean, I'm just saying that to say I, I don't know if I'm spoiling anything because I would, I would recommend it, um, um, because I, I don't know. It's just really enjoyable. It's pretty funny, um, and it was a relief that it was funny considering that the trailer was really bad. Yeah, it, I didn't. I didn't mind this movie. I, I don't think I would say that I love it or it's nowhere near my top 10, but it should have been really, really bad. It should have been everything that I hate in a movie. And somehow they just went out and just made a regular movie, which I think because I was expecting it to be so bad, I enjoyed it because it was just, a, you know, Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal kind of working with each other. Um, mm -hmm. Similar to Violent Night and other comments we've made tonight, I don't understand tiffany haddish's character and that other guy that's with him it's like why you you can just have a play it straight you know i don't get why you need to have the over-the-top goofy fbi agent. Yeah. just you know just have a regular person and it would be just fine uh, yeah but anyway i i did not hate this movie i would even go so far as to recommend it um it's an okay movie <laughs> it's great um okay my number three is the banshees of inishirin uh, which is a movie with uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell on a remote Irish island. They are friends. Before the movie, they are friends. And then all of a sudden at the beginning of the movie, um, Brendan Gleeson decides, I don't want to be friends with you anymore, Colin Farrell, because you're boring and you're too nice of a guy and I don't want to die, I guess, being friends with a fool. Um, and they <laughs> just argue for an hour and a half and it basically escalates and it just, you know, I don't know. I have a really hard time explaining why I like this movie. Um, it felt very similar to some of the other movies that, so McDonough brothers, uh, which have done movies like three billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, Ebbing, Missouri. and um, in Bruges uh, with these two same mm. actors. It's like, it's that same type of humor. If you've liked their stuff in the past, this is probably a lesser version of other things that they've done. 
Um, I would say Calvary and In Bruges and Three Billboards are better versions of it, but this is entertaining on its own right. Lots of funny characters, lots of funny moments. Um, makes me want to go live in an Irish island and go to a pub. Um, <laughs> so, would you be? Would you say? Um, I mean, because looking at this, I I get the lighthouse vibes. It, um, definitely not to that extreme. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, because <laughs> it's not that weird. Um, like it is like a very straightforward. You know, there's there's a whole village. There's not like just these two guys. Um, the lighthouse is not just a movie. I feel like there's artsy over the top. Like this has no artsy value. It's just comedic dialogue. Okay. I would, yeah. I mean, this is like I'm I'm kind of interested in this one. Um, I know this was. I think was it on your anticipated list? It was. I think it was near the top. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And also, like you mentioned, in Bruges, which they've all also been in. Um, um, in Bruges has been on my list to watch for the first time for like years now, and I've just never got around to it. So I feel like, depending on how much I like in Bruges when I finally watch it, I may watch this one as well. Yeah, I would say this is probably like of these two brothers who they don't make movies together; they just make movies separately that are very similar to each other. Um, mm -hmm. It's probably like fourth or fifth on. My movies, again, this is not the best year, so some of the movies that are on my list <laughs> might not make a top 10 in any other year. Um, but it's just like, it's a solid movie, well acted. Colin Farrell, very funny guy. Brendan Gleeson, also very funny. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Getting, getting near the end here. Um, I think... I'm not sure if you're expecting this one, but number two on my list is uh, Knives Out. Or sorry, Gla Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Um, um, I was I'm... expecting this at some point. Were you? Okay. I mean, yeah, I feel like it's from how from knowing the person <laughs> that I am, it's um, also the fact that I like like mystery crime type movies, uh, especially I forgot to mention death on the Nile was like an honorable mention, um, from my, from this year. Like I really enjoyed that, but it wasn't top 10 worthy for me. Um, the original I was out was great. Um, that was on my top 10. I think it might've been, I don't know. It was pretty high on my top 10 in the previous years. Um, this one is not as good as the first Knives Out. It's a little, it's much less subtle. Um, this is like a sledgehammer compared to the uh, a scale a, a knife <laughs> knife of Knives Out. Um, it's and it, again playing into the the whole theme of um, uh, like everyone is a terrible person. Like every single character is a terrible person, um, except and this is like an, a I mean a a recurring theme across the two Knives Out movies. Uh, the main, uh, the protagonist, aside from Daniel Craig, um, who's played by Janelle Monet. Uh, her name is Andy. Um, I, I'm trying to tread lightly here because I don't want to spoil anything because it's only come out recently. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll say, watch the movie. If you haven't seen it and you do want to see it, uh, stop listening now or skip ahead um, until I'm done talking about it. But basically, um, what I was trying to get at is, oh, yeah, spoilers starting now. Um, 
Ryan Johnson in the Knives Out movies, he does a good job. Um, or what I really like is that the the protagonist is all, always like the protagonist wins because they are a good person. Um, like Ana de Armas from the first uh, Knives Out, like he he does a good job of like building them up to just be. It's very obvious. It's a very good person. Um, Ana de Armas was like a, a caretaker or like a nurse uh, immigrated from another country is taking care of her parents or her mother, her sick mother, whatever. Uh, Janelle Monet. Uh, it turns out her character is uh, well. There's twins. She's her twin sister. Wait, have you seen this movie? I have seen it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, the one of the twins is murdered, um, and then her twin sister uh, is like a school teacher, um, like a really nice school teacher from like the south of America, and she wants to find out what happened. She wants to get justice for her twin sister, um, and it just plays up how like they're even like the fact that like they're physically small people and just like unassuming and just nice. Um, and they end up winning in the end, um, is one of the main things that I like about, um, the two Knives Out movies. Um, aside from the fact that like, it's a whole mystery thing, like a crime murder mystery, which I also enjoy. I, I mentioned that already. And then going back to the characters, like they all suck, but they're, and they're all like, it's going back into the social commentary thing about like, there's the, uh, Dave Bautista is like the, the streamer who's like a right wing men's rights activist, like shitty guy who carries a gun with him everywhere. Um, like very obvious, um, uh, Edward Norton, who's like the main, um, like the main, uh, rich guy who's collected everyone to, uh, spend a weekend with him on his private Island. He's clearly like Elon Musk slash like hints of Donald Trump slash he they even dress him as like um, what Steve Jobs uh, during a flashback scene. Like he looks exactly like Steve Jobs when he's like taking over the company from uh, taking over his company from some other poor person. Um, and then there's like the the model and the who else um, like the politician who's like advocating for like um, um green energy even though she doesn't really give a shit um so yeah all terrible people and then they're just trying to find out the like who killed this person um i forget what else i was gonna say but yeah i i, I liked it uh, i oh sorry i remember what i was gonna say i just really wish that he didn't end it the way he did like the last five minutes just made absolutely no sense to me um where uh i think janelle monet just starts smashing up his house like edward norton's house because he turns out to be the murderer um and then she uses his like his his big invention that he stole from his, her twin sister was like a um energy source like a crystal that can be used to power like lots of like homes but it's very dangerous so it's like a scam kind of and then she uses it to like blow up his house while they're all still inside and i was like is she going to just kill all of them and herself? Um, because that doesn't really track with how the movie was going and how her character was. But she blows up the house. They all survive. And he just decides not to try and kill her like he did her sister. Because he's shown that he's like he's willing to kill people because he killed one of his friends. He killed the twin sister. And he just lets this girl do this in front of him while he uh, supposedly also has a gun with him. 
anyways, I, I feel like I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done a great job of explaining. I hope it's been clear, but I, all those gripes aside, I really enjoyed, I was very invested in what was happening and I really uh, enjoyed watching it develop. And it was pretty funny too. I, I don't really disagree with anything that you've said. Um, I really liked Knives Out. I liked this one, but not as much as I liked Knives Out. Um, there was a point in the movie where I was watching it with my wife and she turned to me and she's like, who do you, who do you think the murderer is? And I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. It's not going to be that simple. There's going to be some twist in the middle. And then it was like literally like 10 seconds afterwards, there was literally like a huge twist. Um, <laughs> and it did make me kind of think of like, how how many more times can you make this type of movie where it's like, the same as you were saying the same type of person wins because they're the right person like mm-hmm. ryan johnson's a good director despite last jedi and i think this movie confirms that last jedi was not his fault because he's made five good movies and one bad one um but it's and i think he was um there was a news article that came out that said he was mad at the title that it said a knives out mystery because he doesn't want them branded to be the same thing he wants them to just be like this one character and just basically an excuse to keep making different mystery movies and mm. I hope he continues to do it, but I hope they start being a little bit more different because it did feel like a little bit near the end that, okay, you're doing, there's a lot of similarities between the bad group of people, the bad group of people, the one good person mm-hmm. in the group who's going to like, you know, get justice at the end. So I, I hope he goes in a completely different direction for the next one of these, which I think this movie's decently successful. So he probably will make one. Um, but, you know, as a whole, I still enjoyed it kind of mostly because of the cast and, you know, good group of characters and whatnot yeah i agree um i I mean that was a good point also about like i mean the the similarity i i enjoyed both of them um for some of the like the similar things that he did it is a good point that i i I hope he finds a way to um to switch it up at least a little bit i mean it like even um the other movies that i was talking about death on the nile and um what was the other one the first one with Kenneth Branagh, Murder on the Orient. Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, um, those are like, I mean, it's kind of the, they're also very similar, but like different. But they don't have the same like exact tropes to the point of um, uh, the Knives Out movies. Like you said, like everyone sucks, and then there's the one good person. So I, I just I yeah I don't know if he can. Because it's the two Knives Out movies are very creative, um, but I'm I'm hoping that they're not creative because he knows what he's doing with this type, like with these two themes, and he just keeps reusing them in different ways. Which I mean, if he keeps doing them well, great. But I I would also like to see them see him do a different thing. And going back to the Last Jedi, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I disagree in that I'm not going to argue about like we we all know. You don't like it. I like it. I think it's all him. I, I think it was him just for the fact that he was like trying to do something different and taking risks. I don't see a whole lot of like where a studio would be like, you have to put this in there. Like anything that's in there, I can't see where a studio would have said, I, you, we want you to do this. The things that, well, the things that I didn't <laughs> like about Last Jedi are probably different than the things you didn't like about Last Jedi. Because yeah. what I didn't like was like the weird goofy tone and then they go to the casino uh, planet and have the big like, you know, message about it's important to save the people, <laughs> blah, blah. And that feels very Disney. And like all the goofy like 
tone that changes. I think BB-8 drives like a ATST legs at one point. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. that stuff felt like Disney that didn't feel like Ryan Johnson. Whereas the stuff I really liked about The Last Jedi, which is the whole Ray and Kylo Ren connection, that felt very similar to the stuff that he's done in Looper. Um, a little bit of the stuff that he's done in Brothers Bloom. Um, Brothers Bloom is a movie that has very much the same type of tropes that uh, Knives Out and Glass Onion has. So does kind of make me get concerned that it's like, okay, he knows how to do one thing and he's going to keep doing it. Um, but Looper is a different enough movie that hopefully he goes more in that direction with his next stuff. Yeah. I will I will defend Ryan Johnson till, till I die. I will die on that hill. <laughs> I... In hindsight, Last Jedi might be one of my favorite Disney Star Wars movies. <laughs> it's probably not saying a whole lot. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number two, which I'm pretty sure is going to be your number one, is uh-huh. Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, which is a movie. I think we did an episode on this, didn't we? Um, yep, with Doctor and, Strange. Yeah, multiverse movies. So I don't know how much you want to go into it again um i think i said everything i wanted to say very very good movie very funny very dramatic kind of hits all those beats the only thing that prevented it from being number one for me was it just goes on and on at the end and it feels like it's ending like four or five times if it wrapped up a little cleaner i think i would have liked it probably push it to number one um but because of the ending it sits at number two for me that's my main gripe with it as well i mean i'm just gonna go ahead and say it was number one for me um, uh, so you can get on with your list. <laughs> um, um, I will just add that I, I watched it again recently and I enjoyed it just as much as, uh, I watched it the first time. Um, the, um, the, the butt plug fight, um, will never cease to make me laugh. <laughs> have you, uh, have you watched Swiss army man yet? I have not. I have not. I, that is also like, it's been on my list as long as in Bruges. But I will. I'll get around to it. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything more to say before I get on to my number one? No. Um, oh, the other thing I will say is I thought it was going to be number seven on your list. Um, now I'm curious as to what you, wh- what was your top three for me? And what do you think is going to be my number one? So two was blank, but I knew that um, Triangle of Sadness was going to be somewhere. And like the, I wouldn't take put too much stake into the order because I was compl- like, I had no idea, but, um, X and Pearl were like nine and eight. Tar was six. The whale was on there. I haven't seen the whale. Yet. Um, oh, okay. The Northman, uh, is number three. Uh, humans. I put number one for you. Top gun. Number 10. Yeah. Well, you were pretty close because the Northman is my number one. Um, everything else on this list is an imperfect movie. The Northman <laughs> is the only good movie that came out this year, in my opinion. It is the only oh my. complete cinematic uh, experience that has uh, good acting, good direction, good story, good meaning. Everything works very, very well, and it wraps up in a very satisfying conclusion that tells the whole story. So I have zero complaints or zero bad things to say about The Northman. It is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Zero? Like nothing at all? There's nothing that I would complain about. Um, Even like one of the things that I thought 
I wasn't going to like coming into it is it, it felt like a generic action movie, like from the trailers. And I think that's just because it was a different studio. Um, a 24 produced, uh, the lighthouse and the witch, which is from the same director. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, from the trailer, it seemed like it was going to be a more kind of generic, straightforward action movie. Um, and it really doesn't like it, you know, have you know, from the trailers, you can tell his dad is killed. His mom is taken. And then he's on a revenge path. But then all of a sudden it just kind of like goes in these different directions and then they end up in like Iceland on some like sheep farm and stuff. And I just, (laughs) I I felt like I never knew where it was going, but it was whisking me in a direction. And I was always kind of being introduced to a new story that I enjoyed. Um, And all these little, um, like they have a Valkyrie that shows up, which is a, a funny comparison to the Valkyrie in the Marvel cinematic universe, because it's like a very different version, but Mm. kind of more in line with the, the mythology. Um, and then there's like a time where he has to get like a sword from a mythological character. And it's like, there's all these little fun journey characters that happen. Uh, Bjork shows up at one point as like a witch (laughs) and it was just like, uh, I loved it all. And then the ending was just, it was perfect. It was like cinematic and like a good conclusion to what the characters were. So I, I loved it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> what were your complaints with it? Did you watch it? Actually? I don't like, I don't really have specific complaints. Like I, I agree. It was a good movie. I think this 100 comes to, 100% comes down to preference. It was good. I, um, I, I mean, I didn't enjoy it as much as, as you did. I mean, like the same director, I think I have issues with like just the pacing and just, I, I will feel like this is, much slower than you will because I think you enjoy more of what's happening. Um, like all the like different adventures that he went on. I might, I, I feel like I'm making myself sound dumb here, but I, I was a little confusing to me. <laughs> um, like it was cool, like cool separate things. I didn't, for some of them, I didn't really understand how they just tied into the flow of one story, like of his revenge thing. Um, but I mean, that's not, I, I'm not going to hold it against the movie. I don't think it's a fault of the movie. I think it was a fault of my brain. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, yeah, it, it was good. It's not something that I would, I particularly enjoyed just because it's me. Uh, for me, those like side stories worked, um, kind of reminded, reminded me of something similar to like a Ben-Hur or a Lawrence of Arabia where it's like this big epic long journey that eventually is going to get somewhere. And so I didn't feel like it needed to be, okay, you're going off on your revenge journey. How does this specific story help you get there? It was kind of like, mm-hmm. here's the story of this mythological character. And in my opinion, how they, how they treated mythology and kind of this aura of it, it when you compare that to like a Marvel movie where it's like here it all is, you you just see everything and you see everything and like everything is lit well and you see all the characters. And this just has like a certain element of the things that are mystical seem mystical. The things that are supernatural mm-hmm. seem supernatural and like weird and crazy. And it's like, they hit the right tones for the right characters. Um, and it was still like, it's a pretty straightforward story. It's like, someone killed his dad he wants to go kill the person who killed his dad and so it's like for as while as like they go down different paths there's like certain parts when they start he goes on the adventure to get the sword that you're like i I kind of missed exactly the details of what he's going on but it's like okay i get the point you're you're getting a weapon because you need to kill the guy who killed your dad um and so that's what kind of like strung it together with that nice 
understandable storyline whereas like some of the other stories like everything ever all at once and decision to leave it's like okay where are you going with this i don't understand like how are you wrapping this up whereas this one was like very focused very like i understand what the point of the movie is yeah that's fair and i that like i would agree with that as well like i i always understood what the point of the movie was it's just like some of the branches i didn't understand how they fit into the the whole movie which again i, I don't hold it against it i i would recommend the northman but obviously not to not to everyone <laughs> um yeah it's not like a big blockbuster popcorn movie it's like it's a yeah. specific type of movie for a specific audience and i am yeah that target audience so <laughs> and we've discussed this before too about the trailer like how you were kind of put off about how it seemed like a more action type movie where i thought like oh great it's gonna be more action <laughs> so i mean i like it was there was more action and the action was pretty cool but it was like it was the same. It was similar to Blade Runner twenty 49. whatever, forty nine, um, where like there was a tiny bit of action, but the action was really good. Um, I, I feel like I all don't know of the action that they got for the trailer for the Northman came in the first like fifteen minutes was, of the movie. Yeah, and then after that, yeah. they just go to Iceland for like an hour. So, <laughs> and they play like Icelandic football and yeah. like <laughs> just uh, talk. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't hate it um, by by any means. Um, Presumably your favorite movie from this director. The other ones being I, The Witch and The Lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought about it longer than I really needed to. Yeah, that's it's 100% true. Um, and I, I guess like the, the trailer did give me what I wanted, um, but a lot of other stuff that I didn't want. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with, I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with you putting it up there. Um, I disagree with Knives Out not being anywhere. Glass <laughs> Onion. Yeah. Uh, I think it probably would have been in the 20 to 30 range for me. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> well, that's that's our lists for another year uh we're gonna post these on instagram soon and then i think in the coming weeks we will also be posting our top 10 most anticipated lists uh i already have four for my list because four that didn't come out last year um <laughs> and i'll need to do some research because i don't know anything that's coming out next year I, ha I have three of those as well and this year i'm going to try i'm going to try really really hard not to fuck up uh, my Instagram post because three years, I think two or three years running, I've made a, a weird mistake. Um, I was looking back on them recently and I, I don't know if you noticed, but I hope you didn't because if you did and you didn't tell me, I'm, I'm a little hurt by that. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, there's big news coming up this year. So if you're listening and you're used to, uh, and if you've been listening for a while, uh, we're, we're working on some changes with the podcast. I, I can call that out, right? Yeah. Bit of bit of an announcement for the new year. We're changing. Um uh and also if you're listening and you want to be a guest, <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. So <laughs> I, I um, have lots of ideas for guest based shows. So I have a few myself. So yeah, big things coming in the new year, hopefully. All right. Well stay tuned for those and check out at Houston we have a podcast on Instagram to see our lists for next year. <laughs>